This is Sarah Bordeaf, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. It's a tough time for the mountain resort industry as the global pandemic continues to spread. Definitive answers and strategic plans are fluid as the landscape is changing almost daily. So Sam has launched a weekly virtual forum dubbed The Huddle, where we gather industry thought leaders and all of you to discuss the here and now and what the future looks like. On this week's Huddle, we brought together industry leaders on the topic of finance. Congress rolled out the small business bailout package, specifically the Paycheck Protection Program on April 3rd, and things got off to a bit of a rocky start. We will discuss what went wrong and get some advice on next steps for operators. We will also discuss other loan options and get some insight on how operators should prioritize spending during this crisis and look ahead to challenges down the road. Finally, we will check in with the optimism factor and do a live poll of our audience about summer operations. As most called in from home, you may hear the occasional kid, dog, or basic feedback voicing their opinion on the subject. We kick it off with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. And so thank you all for joining us today on our Monday huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan, the publisher of Sam Magazine, and I'll be your host along with Rick Call, our editor of Sam Magazine, and Paul Towner, who's a, a leadership coach that we work with on the Summit Series. And we started these industry huddles. Um, the first one was an operator roundtable, and then we did a marketing and communication huddle. And today we're going to talk about finance. And we literally don't know what we're going to talk about until middle of the week um, because the headlines and this crisis changes so fast. So we just try and figure out where operators need um, some dialogue and that's that's where we go and assemble a quick group of people. And so thank you to our, our group today who um, volunteered their time and insights. Um, so Friday, as we all know, was supposed to be the day that one key aspect of the small business stimulus package was opened up. And that was the payroll protection program. But as the uh, 11th hour closed in, conditions changed, banks got cold feet and, um, you know, due to the risk and the speed that this was coming at them. So many of us found out Friday there was no way to submit your forms. Personally, Sam is a Bank of America customer, so we were able to submit our form. But as of today, B of A sent us a note saying they have concerns over the sheer number of applications received. It was 177,032.6 billion in financing, and it's just Monday, and that was just one bank. So um, there's for sure um, some challenges ahead. Um, so um, we, you know, as an industry, we have much to talk about, and we want to get started with um, talking to Kelly Pollock first, She's our NSAA president. She and her team have been working tirelessly to communicate our unique needs as an industry um, with seasonal employees, especially, um, to make sure that we were considered in, in the language of these um, packages. And they're also working to make sure SBA recognizes our year-round businesses with weddings, corporate bookings, summer adventure parks, mountain biking, events. And it's not just resorts that suffer, but it's also the communities um, that benefit from us um, that, um, that you know, in the areas where, where, where we are year-round. Um, Kelly, can you provide us an update as of this week on what specifically you are working on for the payroll protection um, uh, program 
and what challenges we're up against. And I know that you're working on specific wording and considerations that address our unique needs. And um, have there been any updates on that? Sure. Thanks. Um, thanks, Olivia, and thanks for the entire SAM gang for hosting. Um, this is a really good opportunity for NSAA because when we can hear from you and we're talking to folks, that's really who they want to hear from. They want to know exactly what's going on at the ski areas. I was on the phone with um, SIA, Snow Sports Industries of America, and OIA, Outdoor Industries Association, this morning because we're trying to collaborate um, and that's what they wanted. They wanted um, specific examples of what was going on at ski areas. And one that I shared that we heard is very similar to your story, Olivia. Um, a ski area in the Northeast actually was able to um, hand in their loan application on Friday. I think they went through the drive up, drive through window at their at their bank, and they have a long standing relationship with this bank. And then they later found out, okay, it's been approved. Then on Sunday. Um, the SBA apparently sent out a note saying, stop, stop processing all loan applications. Um, so we're hearing that same information as you are. Um, a great resource for everybody on this, on this call is our website. Uh, we put everything up there so you'll be able to see the letter that we sent to, um, to the SBA last week. But basically, we're trying to work on better definitions and guidance when it comes to small ski areas um, actually qualifying uh, not so they can apply for the loan and then in terms of loan forgiveness and right now the language does not work well for ski areas um, it really looks at a year-round um, business so for a skier for instance if you take your 12 months um, employees, the average of 12 months, that's not going to be as beneficial as if they looked at the time when you submitted the loan. So you'll be able to see that language in what we're saying to the SBA, um, but that's what we're trying to do is, is push for uh, better guidance and definitions so more ski areas will be able to apply and then get forgiveness on part or all of their loans. Um, and then the second thing that we're working on is phase four, because um, as you've all heard, the money's going to run out immediately. Uh, we're going to need more funding for this. And also in phase four, we're trying to strategize what it is that we ask for. Um, so some of our other ski areas, our medium and larger size ski areas, can, can get some um, relief. So um, I think that's probably a, a pretty good summary, and um, I'm happy to answer any questions offline uh, also. I mean, you guys can call me anytime. My number is on our website. Thanks. Kelly, can you tell us, um, have they, I've, we've seen the letters, and we know you're working hard to make sure we get uh, noticed and the language changed for us. Are they responding? Are, you, are they listening to you? Do you feel optimistic at the response you're getting? Um, yes and no. Yes, we are um, 
we're getting feedback that they're hearing us and they're absolutely overwhelmed. Um, so we're actually trying to work with the state associations. We're working with different states and uh, working through our senators to our ski state senators uh, so they can put pressure on the SBA to make these changes. And um, both Geraldine and Dave have been on calls all morning doing exactly this. And is there anything um, with the operators that are on the call here, about 100 of them, that they can do to help, what, help you help us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys have already done so much already. And what we'll be doing is we'll be asking you um, once again um, to reach out to to your politicians and let them know specifically what our ask is. Um, and, and again, that is on our website, but we're gonna, we're gonna have more to share with you because it has changed so much over the weekend. And um, I have a debrief with Geraldine and Dave this afternoon and, and I'll learn more and we'll probably shift again what our ask is. Um, so stay tuned. We uh, now have a newsletter uh, that hopefully you're receiving and uh, we're trying to send updates to that, and the specific ask would be right there. And, and um, one last question. Do you, I, we saw that you were doing a, a survey just to kind of understand everybody's needs. Have you learned anything, anything from that survey about some, some, have you learned anything from that survey, basically? <laughs> Yeah, um, we, we need more people to take it, um, and it, it certainly is a, a busy time for everyone, so we get that. So we'll just keep pushing it out through our newsletters um, on our website. Um, I think one of the things that I was trying to quantify was, was capital, uh, because that would be in, in, four f in phase four, uh, low interest or zero interest loan, so, so people can um, continue with some of their capital needs. And, and uh so far, and again, not a whole lot of people have taken it yet. Uh, I think it's under 40 people have, 40 skiers have taken it. Um, people are saying that their capital is going to, I can't remember the wording, but it was uh, the top two uh, in terms of an, an adverse reaction that they're going to severely um, change their capital plan based on what's going on right now. Um, so we had we had done some projections and we were just guesstimating that people would cut back on capital 50% and certainly that's not across the board. There are a lot of people that are um, doing most of their capital, but um, that's what we're seeing from this survey. So that'll be good to uh, get a better handle on that as more people take it. Right. Um, and you'll share the, the results of that survey as soon as you can get a lot more to take it. We can help you that yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think that uh, folks have one more week. Okay. Great. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for sharing that update with us. Appreciate it. Great. Um, going to start with Joe Hessian. So, uh, Joe, President of Mountain Creek and Big Snow, uh, Snow Operating. Um, you and I spoke on Friday um, and banging our heads uh, against the wall during the loan process, application process. Um, and you are applying for your businesses, but you're also applying for 40 plus other businesses in your community um, that you're trying to help um, because you're in one of those communities where you, your success, you know, the 
community around you is dependent on your success as well. So it's sort of, you both have to help each other. So you're helping them and advising them. What did you learn? What have you learned just in the past, you know, since Friday about your um, applying for yourself and for the businesses around you? Yeah, so so quickly on that. So at, at Mountain Creek, we kind of looked at what we could do to help the, the community around us. And one of the things we decided to do is we have an accounting department, a legal department, which most resorts do. So small businesses like electricians, hardware stores, restaurants, they're having a hard time understanding the SBA loan uh, documents. So we've, we've reached out and, and, and made our accounting, uh, uh, legal, and a bunch of other people available uh, to help them. So in that, we, we've gotten a direct line to Congress. So I have a texting relationship with a congressman. Uh, we also have another relationship with a congresswoman, both for, in our region. Um, and, you know, as far as the application, our, our general counsel also sits on a board of, of a bank. So unfortunately, I think what we've experienced on Friday and probably one of the biggest frustrations I've had in a long time is simply the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. So um, the government, all everyone, everyone's going through the biggest turmoil they've ever gone through, obviously first for the health and, and sickness of people, which we should make sure that's first and foremost the government is focusing on. Two, trying to make sure that the economy is still going and people are getting money to pay their bills. And the problem is I think everyone wants to help, but everyone wanting to help is creating more misinformation than real information. And on Friday morning, I probably got 80, no, no, no exaggeration, 80 emails telling me that we're ready to accept applications. The bank's ready because the government came out and said, oh, SBA, we're, we're able to, to take applications. Then I had my general counsel talk to the president of a bank who's an SBA lender, and they said, that is insanity because the SBA has come out with their guidelines and they're using, the they're using banks to distribute all this money, but the banks have about a million questions to figure out of if they're okay to send money. So the, the government's saying, hey, SBA guys, we're going to help you. And people think, oh, I'm going to apply on Friday. I'm going to get this money on Monday. And we're making business decisions based on when we're going to get this money. And I'm watching it at our size company all the way down to local restaurants saying, should I furlough my people or should I keep them? The government I saw on TV is going to give me money by next week. Um, unfortunately, the bank president we talked to said funding probably won't happen until the end of May. Um, Chase Bank, um, if any of you work with Chase, they announced on Friday that they were accepting applications. Their application was enter your email and your customer number, and then they would call you back. So, I guess that make, technically makes them look good that they got the application up, but uh, they reached back out and said that didn't work. Another frustration we're having is um, we've now applied for SBA loans, uh, six different formats. So we, we started on, on March 16th. That format was thrown away. Um, then they, they came out with a new one. And in the state of New Jersey, because we've been a disaster center now for a few weeks, we've gone through about four iterations. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to be, seem too harsh on the information of where we're getting it, but I think the problem is everyone recognizes needs help. This uh, uh, crazy time in our history as a country. At the same time, everyone's trying to help, but I'm a big fan of transparency. So if we could just get kind of a more real uh, assessment of just timeline, even though no one has time to do that, instead of figuring out the programs and how they work, if someone could just say, Joe, listen, at the end of the day, we're gonna figure out something, but it's gonna take six weeks, that would help me as a business make a lot different decisions than everyone claiming that you're gonna get the money in two days. So 
we've changed our strategy snow offering. I'm now thinking, and I hope I'm wrong. This is not, I hope I'm wrong. I'm not considering that I'm going to get any funds from anybody till June 1st. That's how I'm making my decisions. Um, that's coming from a bank president, an SBA, and a congressperson. So um, could it be quicker? Maybe. Right now, the banks are nervous because they're saying, um, okay, the government said we're going to back these loans. Well, what happens if I give someone $2 million when they should have only got $1.5? Is the government going to say to Chase, we're not going to bank that, that next half a million? They're using real private sector banks to, to deliver the money. And the banks, if everyone loves banks, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you love banks, banks do not lend money unless they know they, they are protected. So right now, the, the banks don't feel protected. The government's saying, get the money out there. They're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We're, we're not going to give anyone anything until we know we're protected. So all of us waiting for, for relief are in the middle of that. That could take weeks, days, months. But unfortunately, us and the 30-plus businesses we're helping assist, we've applied for 28 SBA loans uh, about three different ways. Um, we've heard back from not a single loan officer yet. Uh, we have a direct contact with the bank that has said, yeah, we're, we're not even close to getting to actual customers. We're still having conversations go back to the government about how this all works. So um, hopefully it'll, it'll fix itself soon. But the biggest issue I have is when people say, you know, apply, apply, apply. And if you don't apply, you're not going to get the money. And now I have these 30 businesses all freaking out because they're watching the news. And at the same time, they're saying, wait a second, um, you know, there's no money flowing anyway. So I think we're all, all in that together. I'm sure it'll catch back up. Everyone's trying to move fast, but um, yeah, interesting times for sure. Well, thank you, Joe. Um, Mike Krongel, Maris Capital Partners. Um, so thanks, Mike, for joining us. And you have dealt with SBA for many years, um, for your many clients. Um, what can you tell us about what you're hearing and, and your experience in dealing with them? And do you have any advice for us? I think I'd skip to the advice. Um, you know, Joe hit, um, I think the real issue, it's clarity. It's what can we do? What are we going to do? And it's the banks are risk averse, even though SBA or USDA will guarantee somewhere between 80 and 90% of a loan um, leaving the lender with a balance. Um, a broader view of catastrophe in banking tells me that the banking community has to re-educate itself to understand that the Fed wants money put out. In other economic downturns, the Fed was up looking at every loan in portfolio at lenders and overviewing everything that they proposed to lend on, um, not wanting further risk in the banking environment. The Fed's goal now is probably hasn't taken into consideration uh, uh, bankers' mentality, but it's to get money out um, to stimulate the economy. Uh, and that's the problem that all loan applicants are going to face beyond what Joe said, which is current and accurate and 
historically true as well. Um, so if I may just make a couple of uh, uh, blinding glimpses of the obvious, you need to work your relationships at the bank, in your government, in your community. And even that, especially listening to what Joe's experiences are, yeah, it's going to be an uphill slog. When you go to the bank, I have two suggestions. And the bank can be an intermediary. It can be direct to the bank. It doesn't much matter. Go as high in the chain of command as you can. Because loan underwriters are loan underwriters. And typically, they are the youngsters in the group. And that's great, except that they don't have the miles of experience that they need to interpret what their bank will really do. And nobody today needs to file six applications for the same loan to an underwriter who says, okay, I got it, only to find out that his seniors go, uh, that's not in our wheelhouse. So that's a caution I urge you all um, when, you, when you're going out um, to, make, uh, to make your applications. On the topic of applications, be fastidious. Detail, detail, detail. What do you want? When do you want it? How do you want it? No freelancing when you submit a bank app especially when there are, you tell me, are there hundreds of thousands or are there millions of applications that have to be processed? So that's really the, the um, you know, what my experience uh, in dealing with lenders is one of the things that folks may consider, um, there are, I'll call them brokers, that um, that help place loans through the SB, SBA and the um, USDA. And they're experienced, and going back to what I just said about detail, 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 they can tell you what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and it may be helpful um, to find one or more of those intermediaries um, and, and, and use them. And if I can help in pointing you toward them, um, you know, you can email me. I'm more, more than happy to help. Thanks, Mike. Very, very um, Brian Fairbank um, of the Fairbank Group, uh, his resorts, Cranmore, Jiminy, Bromley. Um, what, if, if, do you feel what Joe said about not getting the money until June 1? Do you, how, how do you plan for that if, if you... We're not getting it when we're said. Well, that's the first I heard June 1. So. And, and again, that, that I'm making my decisions based off that so I can definitely survive. I hope it's earlier. I'm not saying it's definitely going to be June 1. But if I'm going to make a decision in a world of no transparency, I'm going to err on no money till June 1st. That, that's All my right. thought. I think that the ability to deal with this application, which we had hoped to send on Friday, we didn't. And then we found all new forms yesterday and got them through our bank, and we're trying to process uh, each one of 
are three resorts and they're independent resorts, but there's a clause in the SBA loan application that deals with affiliations. And you have to list every shareholder that's in your particular wheelhouse and refer to then other wheelhouses that that shareholder is involved with. There's a technical way to avoid this affiliation requirement. Um, and that is if you're in the ski resort business and the lodging business combined, it's um, on page 557 of the SBA um, loan docs. And it's uh, under paragraph 7211. It talks about the exemption of not having to deal with the affiliation requirement. I only bring up the affiliation requirement as other people may be running into it if they are connected with another type of business in any way. What about this idea of, you know, all of your businesses have summer business? And how are you looking ahead to your, you know, all three of your resorts about summer business? We've been having a daily briefing at 11 o'clock with our 10 senior folks. And uh, Tyler put that on the agenda this morning to say, what do all 10 of us think about that? And there were mixed opinions about whether or not we felt we'd be ready to go by the end of June, and whether or not the six-foot you know, distancing requirement is going to still be in place. Because if it is, it's going to be very difficult for us to operate anything in the summer. Aerial Adventure Park, for example, you've got to harness somebody in and you've got to be in their space. So we don't have a certainty yet as to where that sits for summer operations. And we're going to plan for the worst if we don't get open at all. And then plan for the best that if there's a you know a banner in the summer and then an intermediate step of saying what if it's really a, um, a modest summer. We think that if we get through the clearance issues, that there could be some pent up demand for people to get out and do things with their family if they've got the you know the money to be able to do it. So that's how we're looking at summer. Okay, so we're going to go to um, Tom Lithgow now of Resort Logic LLC. You managed many resorts in the CNL ski portfolio back in the day. What um, what advice do you have um, for, for resorts to deal with the short and long term of this, the, the ever-changing nature of this? Um, I know that's a broad question, but um, take a stab at it. Well, you know, I, I, I look at uh, some of the folks here that are participating on the call, and I, I, I certainly can't advise much on the operating side of things but um my insights come more from the capital side and we've talked about that a little bit lately um and it was interesting to hear kelly uh tell us what what the guesstimate is now for uh uh retreating um on capital spend i guess you know i think if uh i was still in the role of resort ownership and Steve Rice is on the call, would probably back me on this. We'd be certainly focused on what we would have in the bucket of uh, ordinary repair and maintenance because some things can't be deferred to next year or uh, uh, eliminated from the budget altogether. Everybody on the call probably knows what those items are, and, and in large part, they probably center on your your lift infrastructure um <clears throat> what what you do with at least what i would imagine you do with uh, your maintenance capital uh bucket 
there's probably some flexibility in there and then your greatest amount of flexibility is likely to be in the expansionary stuff that you were planning that certainly can be put off. All that said, um, even with or without the rescue from DC, the institutions out there um, have fairly cheap money. Now, maybe that's offset by the, the fear of lending, and you can imagine that is where bankers tend to go. Uh, they also tend to retreat um, very risk-averse, as, as uh, Joe or Mike mentioned, maybe it was Kelly, somebody mentioned earlier in the call. So my view on it <clears throat> is that from that capital side anyway, uh, there, there's a lot in that repair and maintenance uh, budget component that you're staring at that probably needs to be executed um, and, and fulfilled um, almost regardless of the situation we're staring at right now. Okay. Thank you, Tom. Um, Frank DeBerry, president of Crystal Mountain in Washington. Um, did you, were you starting down that path with SBA on Friday like the other operators and um, did you experience some of the same challenges? So we're not actually eligible, um, you know, through the affiliates being part of Altera, uh, we can't participate in the SBA. So that part hasn't taken effect. We're really just looking at our own cash flow within Altera and trying to prioritize how we're going to spend. Um, a little bit to what Tom just said, you know, what's the, what's the critical O&M that you've got to have in order to get open when you think you're going to be open? Um, we're not making plans to be open for summer um, from a cash flow standpoint, but, um, you know, we're zero basing out as if we're not going to have a summer. Um, looking forward to next winter and planning our cash along those lines. And then as we see opportunities to move in the right direction come up, then we'll sort of you know reverse course a little bit and, and let that money flow again. But but I think it's really important in 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 my view to have a, a very conservative view as to when you're going to see cash coming in the door again, and we think of it in terms you know more along the lines of later rather than sooner. Models look good right now, right? When you you know if you do as all of us are playing on the internet and looking at whatever we can find to get some sort of a perspective of what's coming at us. Um, you know, so so maybe there is the opportunity for a summer, but we don't want to plan that way. So so we're taking a look at that critical O&M, um, you know, critical capital investments that we've got to make to be able to open. And then after that, we're really prioritizing, um, you know, key workforce and um, if people can work and be productive during this time when we're all in these stay at home orders or whatnot, then we're continuing to have them work. Um, you know, and that's really just, our, our own prioritization of, you know, critical expenses and then uh, the workforce is second. Um, growth capital, things like that, that's all tertiary and, and on hold for us. Uh, we just want to make sure that we come out of this very stable, ready to rock and roll. Uh, you know, I see Greg Pack on the call. I want to make sure Greg doesn't get all my best people in this downturn. And, you know, uh, so so we're taking care of those folks and and, you know, just trying to make sure that we're ready for for a winter and, and even in terms of winter, you know, we're not really going to plan on a gangbuster start. We're going to be very conservative as to how we look at things. And I think that, 
you know, um, everyone's got to determine what their risk tolerance is based on the amount of cash that they've got and how long they think this is going to go. We're going to play it very conservative um, and uh, and take every turn for the better as a, as a pleasant surprise that we'll we'll deal with and work for from there. And anything you can share about uh, season pass sales and how Altera is going to handle that? No. <laughs> um, so Altera, I, I think they're just about ready to let everybody know how that's going to work. There's been a lot of, um, you know, back and forth with the various partners. And, and I know that, you know, Eric Fursell has told us that when it comes to Icon and everything, they just want to make sure that, that we've really got the message completely buttoned up before we go out to the public with how we're going to handle that. But definitely planning some accommodations to, to recognize the, you know, the abrupt end to the season and, um, and, you know, make that part of the plan going forward. But that'll be coming in the next, I, I would think this week, that information will go out. And, and has your group discussed at all um, what changes they might need to accommodate, you know, in customer spending, customer habits? You know, surely this has impacted us in some permanent ways. And has your group had any kind of collective projection on how they might need to adjust for a, a, a different customer? expectations yeah i mean you know we went through obviously not something exactly the same but we went through you know 2008 and the downturns that happened there and um in you know we understand that you know each kind of bracket of of guest is gonna behave a little bit differently um but you know our current planning is you know that that there is you know that there is opportunity for a quick bounce back. I mean, I, I don't think we saw major long-term day-to-day um, -day impacts after the last downturn because people still look for those outlets. They, they, they're still looking for ways to, to entertain themselves. And so. And um, we're going to take a quick poll right now. Um, just with the amount of folks on the call um, you'll see it'll pop up on your, on your um, screen there. We just want to kind of take a poll on, on, your projections on, on reopening for summer business. We polled the audience on their current plans for reopening for business this summer, asking if they currently plan to open in June, July, August, not at all, or if they didn't have a plan yet. You can view the complete poll results on our Instagram feed at Sam Magazine. We don't know what the future holds, but these huddles are an opportunity to connect and share with one another as we're all in this together. If you have a member of your team who could benefit from listening into these huddles, like, subscribe, and send the pod their way. Of the folks, the 90 plus folks on the call, 42% uh, they'll open in June, 18% July, 2% in August, and 7% not at all. So an optimistic group, I think. Um, we're all going to hopefully be open in June. Tim Reuther said, I'm wondering if this will have an effect on season pass prices for next year. You know, I don't know how much impact on price here, but I think we're all going to have to give people the confidence that if something, you know, if the season is severely uh, inhibited, that we're going to be able to somehow make them feel like they're still getting the value for that pass. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so what kind of leniencies can you have on cancellations um, up to certain points and, you know, for parts of seasons and things like that. That's, that's where our focus is more so than on price. We think the value of the product is still the value of the product and we think that people are going to pay it. But, um, you know, we can see it in the, in the chat boards and everything. People, they need that sense of confidence and that's the main thing. I would agree. I, I'm starting to get the messages from companies getting back to kind of selling and, and it, it feels okay. So I, I think that there's room for normal sales messages. Uh, Brian Fairbank is asking, when is the $600 for employees being sent? How do we handle bringing furloughed staff back in unemployment and the 600 stipend is more than what they will be earning uh, returning to? That actually is a question I've heard from a few operators is it's, it's, it's better money to be on unemployment um, than to re return. Has anybody thought through this? I'll tell you, you know, so surprisingly, we, we went on um, for the last two weeks, we've had absolutely nobody coming up to the mountain other than one person a day to come up and do sort of safety and, and equipment checks. And um, we also spent that time looking through what the critical roles are and how we're going to be able to keep them socially distanced if they're going to fill those roles and things like that. And we've invited back 35 people today. And um, of the 35 people that we invited back, we said, if you're not comfortable coming back to work, if you want to stay home, um, you know, move to unemployment. There is an enhanced unemployment, um, you know, offering out there. And, um, and no harm, no foul, we'll take you back when this is over and we're able to get you back productive. And um, of those 35, 32 chose to come back and work. And of those 32, I would say all of them would have had the same income on the enhanced unemployment. And I think, you know, people still, they want to be productive. They want to be part of the team. They want to be part of the communication. And if you're you know, treating your people like part of your team, like part of your family, saying we're all in something tough together. I think, I think the majority of the ones, you know, the ones you want back will come back. That's, I was really surprised to see, you know, that essentially everyone we asked, you know, really just wanted to be back and part of what we're doing. So when they show up, what are they doing at your resort? Or, um, and so I, I'll point out, we also have about another 30, who are working from home. Um, so in the marketing and, and accounting and in those areas. Uh, so the folks who are coming in those 32 that those are uh, maintenance crews, vehicle maintenance, lift maintenance, building maintenance, handling the standard um, ongoing maintenance care of the assets. And we cleared that with local public health officials as um, still being mission critical because these are things that have to happen, whether we're open or not for the protection of the asset. Great. Thanks so much, Frank. Um, Rick Call, our editor, you're going to take our third section here with um, Chip and Steve. You want to? Yeah, sure. Um, what we'd like to do next is sort of maybe take a, a hopefully a little bit more optimistic look toward the uh, the coming season. And Chip, you're a good person to um, lead us down that path. Can you share um, some of how you're preparing for the longer view and what you're doing at Timberline and and elsewhere? Sure, um, a lot of interesting comments. Uh, and before I get into that, I just have to respond to a couple of things uh, that people said. Uh, having um, 
seen a little bit behind the uh, curtain in state government, I just wanted to point out that uh, Joe mentioned multiple times about transparency. Uh, I think that's what we're seeing is transparency. Yeah, they, people don't, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's actually the truth is uh, we're in an unprecedented area and uh, there's a big disconnect between, uh, you know, how we operate on day to day, uh, how we deal with risk and uh, how that's perceived by some of our legislators. So I just wanted to comment about that and sort of uh, also reiterate um, that, you know, we're, we're going through the process on this PPP program in several different businesses. And it's exactly as people said, each different bank is different. And uh, I kind of had the feeling from the beginning, it was going to be a challenge to get that uh, uh, money out very quickly. Again, have heard of people having their application approved, but I haven't heard of anybody that's gotten a check yet. And so uh, trying to be optimistic, a couple comments that other people haven't made uh, that are that are my concerns. I uh, certainly uh, was glad to hear Frank's comments about people coming back and wanting to work. There's so much information out there that it's overwhelming to everyone, including the people who are sitting at home with nothing uh, to do but you know look at all, on the internet. So that was my one of my big concerns too, is whether when when we have to get back to it, you know whether people are ready to get back to it. And specifically, I wanted to talk about that. One of my concerns is, uh, you know, we have a short window. We're we're trying to bring back a, a a ski area in Timberline in West Virginia, and we have a finite number of days to do that. You know, one of the big questions that's out there in most states is they're saying shut down unless you're uh, a critical business or you're, um, you know, uh, somehow, um, you know, it's important that you keep uh, operating. And, and I would just put out there one of the things that we've talked about and we'll make the argument that because we have a finite number of days between now and the season, if we want to be the important employer that we are, all of us in the wintertime, uh, that is at some point in time critical that we get back to work uh, preparing for the next season. And in the case of, uh, of Timberline, uh, every day matters when we're trying to bring it back. Uh, the comment on the optimistic side that I would like to say, uh, somebody alluded to it earlier is, uh, you know, before we got into this, um, you know, I felt like it was a really positive time uh, in the industry and in business in general. Um, uh, capital was readily available, uh, very cheap, the cheapest it's been in my mind uh, for, you know, well, in my history, maybe ever. Uh, but maybe another thing that nobody's talked about uh, yet, I think maybe plays into other people's mind is the, uh, uh, the tax treatment, frankly, of the kind of investments that we're making at Timberline and also typically are made at ski areas are probably getting the best treatment that we've had in at least 30 years in, in my memory in the way we were able to uh, accelerate the expense of capital improvements. So those are all positives. Uh, we were moving forward fairly aggressively. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to respond with sort of this uh, uh, pause and, um, and sort of make the decision as well about how do we uh, get people, um, you know, back going because we have this limited window to, to get it done. The other thing that I'd love for somebody else to comment that uh, I'm a little concerned about, someone before mentioned about, uh, you know, capital improvements and lift projects and, you know, the lead time on those kind of projects has just gotten so long. 
a little concerned about the global impact here and uh, for things that we're going to need to you know, refit a ski area, whether we're going to see uh, the supply interrupted, you know, on a global uh, perspective. Any comment on that? Yeah, maybe that's a good segue, Rick, for Steve to take that one. Yeah, Steve, um, I'm sorry, but we're going to put you on the spot here. Uh, <laughs> Steve Rice is with Mountain Advisors and Sculptor Capital. The latter was formerly Oak Ziff. Um, You've worked with a lot of different resorts, obviously, with your time at, at CNL. Some of the research that we've seen on the tourism business in general is projecting a long road to recovery. Um, one, so the most pessimistic um, forecast we've seen is that business won't return to 2019 levels until maybe 2022. Do you think that's uh, realistic for, say, the, the ski industry in particular? Um, and what can resorts do to sort of hasten the road to recovery? Okay, Rick. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And uh, let me say this, that first of all, I think in the hospitality industry that we have a leg up on many other members of that particular industry that we all engage in. And that's because we're outdoor oriented to engage in our sport is to be in the outdoors. But we have to deal with enclosed spaces and, you know, interior restaurant uh, locations and so forth when it comes to social distancing and all of that. But there may be creative solutions to some of those issues if they were to persist as guidelines for people who are out there recreating. Because the bulk of what people come to do, they're doing in the great outdoors with a lot of space around them generally. So um, I think that we're going to benefit more so than say, uh, you know, a bowling alley or a, um, in, indoor recreation of any type or one that uh, is in and out and has a lot of close together um, uh, experience. Um, what I thought I might do is talk about a couple of things that um, relate to business or banking and, and resource relationships that resorts have um, that uh, putting aside for the moment the, uh, the small business uh, PPP program, uh, which everyone's focused on. Um, some of you may have seasonal lines of credit. Some of you may have um, loans uh, on capital equipment. Um, you've got uh, various you know, business ratios, debt service coverage ratios, things that, that you are obligated to meet. And um, particularly if you aren't a member of a larger conglomerate, you've got uh, a little more limited uh, pot to be drawing from, if you will. And um, these can be tough times ahead. Um, a couple of things. One, uh, Mike, you mentioned the importance of relationships. Absolutely critical. Hopefully they're in good shape. If they need to be better in the next time ahead, you really need to invest in the relationships so people understand your business. Um, and I'm talking about vendors as well. So your equipment, uh, relationships, uh, whether it's Rosignol and other uh, manufacturer for your rental program, your, your grooming leases, uh, any other rolling stock leases you may have, um, other purchases you've made on uh, that involve financing. Um, those are potentially all partners for getting you cash flow relief that you're going to need to bring your key people back and to get back open and hit the ground running. Uh, they understand your business already. They're in the ski business. And so 
um, uh, renegotiating uh, payment terms, um, getting getting some relief uh, on that is a uh, could be critical. And by doing so, you can go to your bank and not be there with your handout looking for them to be the first point of assistance. Banks, in addition to being conservative, are always want to see uh, lots of pain that you are suffering already presented in a clear way. Uh, you know, senior management's taking a pay cut. Um, we are not doing uh, cosmetic maintenance, but we are prioritizing our critical capital maintenance. And so, uh, in so doing, I'm protecting the ski area the collateral for that bank's loan. They want to hear that. That's going to be reassuring to them. Banks are going to want to back winners and they're going to have to make choices. And so if you come across as a winner, you've got a clear presentation. You're not fumbling with cash flow projections uh, and to schedules that don't tie, um, that aren't too complicated, that are built, that is a cash flow model, that are built for you to represent and provide monthly updates and so forth, and not present somebody with a whole new uh, set of information to understand and digest. That's confidence building. And uh, so back to the relationships with your bank, with your vendors, um, finding ways to get uh, uh, help on cash flow so that you can relaunch your business, whether it's two years out or um, only six, eight, 10 months out before we feel like we're really back running again, uh, you know, those are going to be critical for you. Let me stop there, but um, Rick, back to you. Well, thanks, Steve. I think that was probably uh, really helpful advice. What sort of, uh, how, how much do you think people can re renegotiate some of these, the terms on leases or um, existing payments that they need to make? Well, I, I went thinking over the weekend, when I was running Whitetail in the early 1990s, or mid-1990s, uh, we were clicking along at 35, 36% EBITDA. Um, we were very profitable at the EBITDA operating margin line, but it was a highly leveraged resort. And the 96, 97 season came along and we went from 250,000 visits to 125. We had one night in January and two nights in February with a 28 degree wet ball. So if it weren't for the snow we made in December, we wouldn't have been open after the, you know, the really the early January. Um, there was no way we could pay not only our, our vendors, but a uh, senior mortgage uh, the Nations Bank held on Whitetail at the time. Uh, I'd say it was a highly leveraged model to begin with. And, um, you know, we, we went to the bank after talking with our vendors and, and getting some relief after personal uh, comp, uh, sacrifices that staff were making, getting things down to a bare bone, uh, but presenting a plan with what we felt were realistic assumptions. And um, we said when we could begin to pay them and what we were going to do for our vendors and why this was something that could work. And... Uh, with a lot of hard work <laughs> and it wasn't overnight, but we got to a place where we were able to get into the next season um, without being foreclosed upon. And it was all about working those relationships. I wanna take a couple more questions here, if that's okay. Um, what are the small Scaria companies outside of Vail and Altera plan for approaching planned capital improvements? 
I know this was brought up, but if possible, could anyone elaborate? Well, if I could jump in there. Yeah, jump right in. Well, I wanted to comment on two more things. One, um, you know, a comment that I've heard several times that I wanted to put out there is relative to, you know, this virus, everybody's talking about flattening the curve. But on the side of the economy, uh, a comment that I heard that I really like is uh, what we're what we're wanting to do and want to see happen is more of a V-shaped uh, response to uh, the economy. It's going to go down quickly, but I hear a lot of people optimistically thinking that uh, conditions are such that we can bounce back very quickly. The challenge uh, in answer to the question uh, that was just asked and some of the comments that Steve made uh, and others about relationships, um, one of the challenges that we're facing right now relative to our uh, capital expenditures is being able to uh, get the attention of uh, our bankers, meaning they, like so many other people, are so overwhelmed with the immediacy of the situation that uh, our big question is, uh, again, capital is cheap and it's available, but getting the bandwidth of your banker right now is really, really challenging. So uh, those relationships are critical because they got to take your phone call. And right now it's really hard to get them to take your phone call. Thanks, Chip. Um, and we'll take one more question here from George Willette. Um, uh, this question is, what is this, um, what's the status of waiving the U um, USFS fee, the skier fee? Is that waived or deferred, or do, do we know yet? Waived, no. Deferred, uh, the language, um, and George, it's, it's pretty much the same language that uh, Geraldine <clears throat> sent out last week, is that it looks like um, we're going to see a deferral. Uh, looks like, you know, I don't know what how many days or months it is, uh, but certainly Geraldine continues to work um, on both deferrals and waiving the fees, uh, but still up in the air. And you will know as soon as Geraldine knows, um, she really wants to get that communication out to skiers because that would give you a little bit more certainty. Excellent, thanks Kelly. Um, well, we are um, at the end of our hour um, and we're, I wanna, um, first I wanna toss it over to um, Paul Talner. He, um, does a lot for us in leadership coaching and um, he's been tremendous in propping up a lot of us over the past year um, and you just have some some thoughts for us um, as, as leaders of uh, staff in our communities and, and uh, some thoughts for us. Yeah. yeah, thanks Olivia. Just quickly before we all go our separate ways and back into the grind, I, I uh, you know, as, as finance professionals in this industry, you probably have a view into the into the realities that very few people actually do. You, you really see it uh, in, in a way that, that not, not many others do. And it might be easy to get pretty um, stressed out and burned out about uh, what you're seeing, and, and especially when the, the, the future is unclear. So uh, taking care of yourself and making sure that you have enough uh, gas in your tank to uh, do what's needed is really Im important. So uh, whatever you do, whatever you can do to take care of yourself, to make sure that you have enough reserve energy uh, to handle uh, what's likely to be a long marathon, uh, please do those things. If you need any tips or advice on how to how what that could look like for you, just give me a give me a shout out or give me a, an email or send me a note. I can help you out with that kind of thing. But th the key is to not do nothing. 
uh, you know, whatever, whatever you can do to, to sort of take care of yourself, whether it's take a walk, take, do five minutes of something uh, away from work, uh, that'll do, do everybody some good around you. So uh, more on that uh, as, as needed. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Um, so I want to thank again our panel today, Tom Lithgow and Resort Logic, Steve Rice with Mountain Advisors, Mike Krongle with Maris Capital Partners, Brian Fairbank with the Fairbank Group, Chip Perfect with Perfect North Slopes and Timberline, uh, Frank DeBerry, Crystal Mountain Resort, Joe Hessian, Mountain Creek and Snow Operating, and, and Kelly Pollock of NSAA. Your insights and sharing with us today is, is helpful and it's what we can do right now to help uh, our community of operators is to just be transparent and share information as much as we can so we can all get on this road to recovery and open back up and welcome our customers um, next season. Thank you for taking the time to listen to episode three of our Huddle mini-series. We will be doing these weekly calls for as long as they make sense. Each call is open to the industry, so if you would like to participate or if you have a question or topic you think we should cover, email huddle at saminfo.com. In the meantime, check out our Coronavirus Impact page on SAM's website, www.saminfo.com, with content to help you navigate this crisis. And while you're there, please consider a subscription to SAM Magazine so that we can continue to be a resource for you. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod SAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to Pod SAM.